if they're in a broken, defeated, threatened, incapable mindset, or if they're seeing themselves through the lens of the child of God, every every situation in history right. is the argument. Right. So Nazi Germany. Oh yeah, we could go there. I mean, would Hitler have even risen to power if the church had actually played the role it should have? Ooh. This study references the book Nehemiah, I Am, Taking Authority Over Identity by Mike Hilson. Get your own copy of the book today on Amazon. Well, hey, y'all. Welcome back to the second session of our, 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 our Who Am I series, looking into the book of Nehemiah. Now, if you want to go a little deeper than what we're doing here, we actually have a book I put together uh, that is Nehemiah, and it's called uh, I Am Taking Authority Over Identity. i got to tell you, these days we really need to take authority over our identity because our culture imposes identity and labels on us. And so, so for instance, we talked about the cycle last time, the I am cycle. When I, when I receive a definition, when I receive a label from someone that says my truth, my truth then sets my thinking, my thinking cycles around and sets my actions and my actions set my habits and my habits will reinforce even a negative idea or label of who I am. So someone can literally label me something that makes no sense in reality and yet I will make it seem real because if I receive it as my truth, it will begin to affect my thinking, my actions, and set my habits. And so all of a sudden, somebody says something about me that's not true, but then I make it true. This is, this is really nothing more than what, if you've studied psychology, than, than what people would call a self-fulfilling prophecy. When somebody convinces you you are something and you receive that, you begin to act out as if that were true, even if it's not. And so the truth is we've got to take control of that initial identity. Now, when we get to Nehemiah and we look into his story, Nehemiah is in the Old Testament, and 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 look at verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1. We'll, we'll set the stage for what we need to talk about. It says, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa. Now, it may seem like that's nothing in the world but setting the tone, but I want you to understand what, he, what, he, what he's saying and where he's at. The nation of Israel, after King Solomon, split into two nations. There was Israel, the northern kingdom, and there was Judah, the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom fell much earlier than the southern kingdom did. The southern kingdom fell to, to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. He took a whole bunch of the best and the brightest with him into Babylon, and they were in exile. This is where we get Daniel. This is where we get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is where we get these people. They were taken into captivity in Babylon. Subsequently, the Babylonians, and by the way, Babylon is in modern-day Iraq. The Babylonians were defeated by the Medes and the Persians, and eventually the Persians became the dominant leaders there. By the time we get to King Artaxerxes here with Nehemiah, he is a Persian king. Now listen, he is in the citadel of Susa, so the Persians are what would be modern-day Iran. So Jerusalem is overthrown by Babylon, which is out of modern-day Iraq, and then Babylon is overthrown by Susa, which is in modern-day Iran. You're getting an image of where we're at and the distance and the space, because many people know these maps pretty well these days. And so, so that's where we're at. Now, 
we find out at the end of the chapter that Nehemiah serves this king. So I want you to understand that Nehemiah is is in a group of people who are a defeated nation. They are now serving as slaves. I don't want to get. I don't want you to get me wrong. He's in. He's in the palace. That's true. He's with the king. That's true. He has a lot of comfort in his life. All of that is true. What he doesn't have is freedom to do what he wants because he's actually an indentured servant to King Artaxerxes in the citadel, the 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 fortress of Susa, where the king lives. Now, here's here's what we need to understand. It's been over it's been over a hundred years since Daniel was taken to Babylon, and now here we are in Susa. For more than a hundred years, the Israelites have taken on the identity and the label of a defeated people, and they've received that. They, they have fully received that. Listen, that can happen in your life. The world can label you because of a loss here or a loss there. The world can label you as defeated. The world can label you as a loser. Listen, losing does not make you a loser. Quitting might, receiving the label might, but losing doesn't. The fact that they are here, the fact that they are defeated, the fact that they are, frankly, broken. The whole nation is broken. It is scattered around. And we're going to find out in just a minute that the people that, that remained in the nation, they're now threatened and their, their, their very existence is, is in question. And, and they, they can't find peace and they can't find security. Why? Because they've received the label, I am defeated. And once you receive that label, it's awfully hard to overcome that and then become victorious somewhere. If you just believe you're going to, y'all, we see this in sports all the time. There are certain teams that just believe they're going to win. And they get into impossible situations, and then all of a sudden, they win. There are other teams that just believe they're going to lose, and they have huge leads, and you're never comfortable with the lead. No matter how, how far ahead you are, you're never comfortable with it. Why? Because they find ways to lose. Y'all, y'all, this is what happens when you accept the label, I am defeated, is you begin to create ways to lose, even though that's not what you mean to do. Now, I know that in this sentence, you don't read all of that, but when you understand why he's in the citadel of Susa, when you understand why he's here and what he's doing, you begin to realize he's actually a defeated, broken, enslaved person. That's who Nehemiah is. Now it says in verse two and three, it says, Hanani, one of my brothers came from Judah with some other men. They came from hometown. And, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. Why? Because to a Jewish mind, Jerusalem is the very center of the world. In fact, one thing that's interesting here is maybe 15, 20 years prior to this, so Nehemiah would have known about it, Ezra has gone back and has rebuilt the temple. So, so King Cyrus has allowed Ezra to rebuild the, the temple. Now King Artaxerxes is in place. And, and, so, and so Nehemiah, it's at the center of everybody's mind that the city is being reborn. The temple has been rebuilt. It's been repaired. And so they're beginning to think of their city as being reborn. So he questions his friend Hanani about the exile, the people, and about Jerusalem itself. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in Jerusalem are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. 
When I view myself as defeated, when I receive the label as, let me use a different label. When I receive the label of broken, someone else has broken me. The Jerusalem, I, I know, I know, I know all the theologians in the room. Hold up. Just hold up. I understand that it was the sin of the Israelites that, that, that caused their defeat at the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. I understand that. That's not how they would have seen it in the moment. They were beaten by somebody else. An outside force came at them and broke them, broke down their walls, broke down their city, took their best and brightest. Somebody else stole from them and broke them. Someone injured them. Someone hurt them. They were victims of someone else's greed and 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 ambition i mean you're starting to see where this is going right but when you receive that label of defeated that brokenness will then leave you threatened because you've you've allowed the walls that 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 protect your life you've allowed the the protections the defenses that are in your life to be broken down now all of a sudden you're threatened by even lesser forces nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful king of his day but now Jerusalem sits, the, the walls are, are down, the city is in ruin, and any old little uh, uh, band of thieves can raid the city and take things. And that's exactly what's happening. They're not being invaded by, by the most powerful king of the day. That's Artaxerxes. He doesn't need to invade Jerusalem. They're being invaded by little tribes that surround the, the city of Jerusalem, and it's leaving them threatened. They try to grow crops and build some wealth, and one of these little tribes will drive in, steal everything they've got. They have no wealth left. They just take it. And all of a sudden, you've got this cycle of poverty, this cycle of threat that starts to take hold inside the city of Jerusalem. And there's not a lot of hope in that. Listen to me, that can happen in your life. If you receive the label of broken, you receive the label of, of defeated, then even little things start to become a threat in your life because you don't think you can overcome any of them. And all of a sudden, the weakness, the, the insecurity in your life begins to invade. And every time you build up a little bit of, uh, a little bit of security or a little bit of identity or, or a little bit of, uh, of pride or trust or belief or faith, when you build up a little bit, something comes in and steals it. The enemy will come in and will defeat you very, very quickly because your walls are down. That's part of being broken is my defenses are down. And now I'm now invaded by every negative thought. I'm now invaded by every, every, every weak moment or weak temptation. It invades me and I don't have any defenses against it. I am threatened. The problem with that is, go to, go to verse 4. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now I want you to see something. When I received the label of broken... I am defeated. I receive that label. I am then threatened. My walls are down. My defenses are down. And then I feel incapable or helpless. When, when I feel incapable of doing anything about my surroundings, what do I do? I sit down, I weep, and for days I mourn and fast and I just pray. Now, prayer is the right place to go, but prayer alone is not going to change your situation. You, 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 you can't just stay in that, in that period of mourning and that period of prayer. Look, I got to tell you, some people have been broken by the world. It wasn't their fault. Somebody else has broken them. Somebody else has defeated them. Someone else has leave, left them uh, insecure, has left them threatened, and now they feel incapable of doing anything about it, and they stay in that place of helplessness. They stay in that dark room where they're just mourning where they're just crying, where they're just weeping. And they're thinking, oh, I wish I could do something about this. But I want you to hear me. 
That's where we all start. That's where Nehemiah started. But as you pray, you got to listen because God's going to give you another way of seeing the situation. But you've got to be willing to see it. Watch. It says here, Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps, watch, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants. You see what's going on? Nehemiah's mind is starting to change. It's not, I am defeated anymore. It's not, I am threatened anymore. It's not, I am incapable anymore. Now it's, I'm a child of God. I don't have an answer but God does. I don't have a way out, but God does. I don't know what to do next, but God does. I I can't defeat this enemy, but God can. I can't fix this city, but God could. I can't rebuild these walls, but what if God was willing to do it? What if God was willing to step in for me? What if God has a plan I don't know anything of yet? Maybe I need to listen a little longer so I can figure out what God wants to do in my, how maybe how God wants to use me to change this. You see the difference in thinking? All of a sudden, the darkness and the, and the depression and the, and the helplessness of that room where I've been sitting in mourning is lifted out. And all of a sudden now, it's not because I'm anybody. It's not because I'm capable. It's not because I have an idea. It's not because of anything I can do. It's because I've suddenly gotten myself in a right place before God. And God, in my brokenness, in my defeat, in my threatened state, in my incapacity, God looks at me and says, I want to use you to change this situation. And all of a sudden, that brokenness becomes hope. You say, well, well but, but, but where, where's the hope in here? I want to give it to you. I'm going to give you this. And you just need to hold on to this for the next, for the next chapter, the next session. The last words in this chapter says, I was cupbearer to the king. Now, you got to understand, he's a slave. Don't anybody get me wrong. He's a slave. He, he cannot choose to come or go as he pleases. He's got to follow whatever the king wants he has to do. And listen to what his job is. His job is to drink the wine before the king does. His job is to eat the food before the king does. Why? Because his job is to be the one that is killed by the poison so the king won't be. His job is to be, he's expendable, y'all. But he's beside the king. I need you to understand. In every broken situation, God has someone in position to make a difference. And it's very possible that someone is you. Because you should not see yourself as broken, as defeated, as, 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 as helpless. You should not see yourself as threatened. You should see yourself as a child of God. And perhaps he has you in exactly this moment, in exactly this place, for exactly this situation. Maybe you're the answer. Pastor Mike, it's hard not to get pumped up listening to you get to that part in the story where you're, you're saying, but God, right? Where you're realizing, Nehemiah realizes that God wants to do something here, right? right. And uh, you're talking about being broken and defeated and this being this identity that we take on, this mindset. And I, I was curious, how prevalent have you seen this be? Like in your time working with people in ministry, just living life, how, how often are people in this place? Well, it's, it's very interesting. It has a lot to do, I think, um, 
the way you react to any situation of brokenness has a lot to do with the personality you bring to it. I have a good friend who had a horrible upbringing, a nightmare upbringing. Mm -hmm. And when you ask him how he got out of it, he said pure narcissism. So he didn't even get, it wasn't even really God that got him out of it. He Mm -hmm. just, he just was going to overcome. So there's some people that are just like that, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't think most people are. I think it's quite prevalent that once people are broken, once they're hurt, Mm -hmm. they stay in that. And I think that modern culture encourage us to, encourages us to remain in our brokenness. In fact, okay. victimhood as a label mm. is helpful sometimes when you're trying to achieve things. Explain that. What do you mean it's helpful to achieve things? Because it's rewarded or because there's Oh, victimhood is absolutely rewarded in our current culture. Okay. Um, and and I, think that's, I think that's sad. I mean, we want to lift up those that are victims, lift up those that are hurt, mm. but not in such a way that you need the label of victimhood in order to have a place at the table. You get a place at the table because you've overcome. You get a place at the leadership table because you've mm-hmm. overcome. That's the way it should work. The way it's working now is you get a place at the leadership table because you've got a story. Right. I mean, I mean, think about think about all the. Uh, I, I use this word loosely. Mm-hmm. Talent shows that are out there these days. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, talent is not the issue. Mm-hmm. They want the story. Right. So. All right. So God enters into someone's world. They get a different vision. How does that play out? Like. They, they hear the gospel or they see an example. How do you see people overcoming this broken and defeated mindset in relation to what God can do? Uh, the ways it plays out uh, are as varied as the personalities of people we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, God is the same. God never changes. God always has a plan. God always has a way. God always will provide a way out. Mm-hmm. But how we view that, how long it takes us to view that, how long it takes us to actually step out in the authority that God can give us mm-hmm. is up to the individual. And some people never do it. And some people, by the way, some people are saved. They are children of God. They are praying to God. They are surrendered to God. They just never walk out of their room. Yeah. They just never walk out of their brokenness. Mm-hmm. And so they decide to remain in their brokenness with grace, mm-hmm. where you don't have to remain in your brokenness with grace. You can walk with grace in power and victory and deliverance. I can almost see like a multiple tier level of yes. freedom that yes. we could all have, you know, where God set us free on a base level. We're, oh. we're free to know him. We're, our souls are free. We're, we're not captives to the, to the enemy anymore unless... We allow lies to perpetuate. And these lies could be, you know, lowercase lies, not Mm -hmm. the capital like there is no God kind of uppercase lie, but the lie of like, oh, I'm destined to live in poverty. I'm destined to be alone. And and believing things that just aren't necessarily true at all. I see it as a stair step, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Listening to you, you, you kind of pivot at right at the end like the story does i love that last sentence i think this is one of the coolest literary designs in the old testament where it just ends on and i know there's no chapter or sentence breaks in the original text but the way that whoever separated that where it's like and i was a cup break i I don't know hebrew neither one of us know ancient hebrew but you do get the sense that somehow in the writing it's almost like the author would have put a pause there right yeah okay all this was true but I was cupbearer to the king. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Proximity to power. Yeah. And you said something really cool about how God has put somebody almost in every situation, every horrible situation in history, there's somebody close by who has the ability to make an impact or a difference. 
depending on depending on the but God category, right? Depending on if they're in a broken, defeated, threatened, incapable mindset, or if they're seeing themselves through the lens of the child of God. Every every situation in history right. is the argument. Right. So Nazi Germany. Oh, yeah, we could go there. I mean, would Hitler have even risen to power if the church had actually played the role it should have? Ooh. Because, quite frankly, it was clear from the beginning that Hitler had a hatred toward many, many different groups of European people, not just the Jews. His, his hatred for the Jews was, was exceptional. Mm. But his, he had a huge hatred for—he had a hatred for the French. Mm-hmm. He had a hatred for the Polish. He had a, he had a hatred for—he had a hatred for, um, for the Russians. Mm. What was interesting about him is the group he actually respected were the British— so he didn't he didn't necessarily go all out trying to defeat him. He kind of wanted them to be his allies, but they, you know, they weren't going to have any part of that. Churchill wasn't having any of that. Nope. And so and so he just he you know, if the church had stepped up when it right. became clear this is not a man dealing with the goodness of God. This is a man that is that is that is frightening, that is mm-hmm. terrifying. If the church had stepped up, you, maybe maybe Hitler never rises to power. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, let me let me not fail to give a shout out because some people in the church tried. Yeah, Dietrich and, Bonhoeffer. Yeah, Bonhoeffer is a great example. example you yeah. know, but but at the same time, it, they didn't they didn't go early enough. What's the old statement? Somebody said they came they came for the communists, but we weren't communists. They came for the they came for the uh, the Jews, but we weren't Jews. And they get through this whole list, and then it gets down to the end. And then when they came for us, there was no, no one, one left, left to, to defend, defend us. us. You know, so that can happen. Yeah. So I think God has someone in a place of authority that can make a difference every time. I think scripture bears witness to that. Yes. I mean, there's been examples where God even says things like, you know, I've got 7,000 people in my city right. who have not bowed their knee to Baal. Right. You've got Esther. Yes. Um, who's in, For such a time as Debatable this. about which Xerxes we're talking about here. Yeah. Whether Xerxes or Xerxes or if these are the same guy, right? Yeah. Hard is. to know. Um, but nevertheless, every time there's been somebody who could rise up and right. influence. Um, and Ezra had a little bit of that role, too. You right. mentioned Ezra in this right. chapter. Um, what's significant about Ezra? How did Ezra, you know, his story is a little different, but how did Ezra get to the place where his mindset goes from defeated, threatened, incapable? He's not a cupbearer to the king. No. No, but he is. But he is. He is a. He is a priest, and he is. Uh, he's close with Zerubbabel. Mm. And Zerubbabel is probably the one that actually has influence, exerts the okay. first influence here. And Zerubbabel is the grandson of the last king of Judah. Mm-hmm. And so Zerubbabel has position by birth. Mm-hmm. It's actually called the temple that uh, that Ezra builds. It's called Zerubbabel's temple, mm-hmm. uh, but Ezra is the one that directs the building of it. But Zerubbabel is the is the is the noble yeah. that brings it about. And so um, and so that temple is rebuilt. Now there is debate as to as to whether Nehemiah would have known Esther or mm-hmm. whether or uh, they, he certainly knew Ezra. But what it is difficult. You get Xerxes yeah, right. as a king. Then you get Artaxerxes mm-hmm. as a king, and somewhere in the middle of all this, Cyrus shows up, mm-hmm. and there's just it, it. It gets ancient. Ancient timelines are not always as clean as we want them yeah. to be. Yeah. So it's been a few years in between. Yeah. Too. But <laughs> but Ezra is the one that builds the temple, and we know that mm-hmm. Nehemiah and Ezra work together. Right. Once Nehemiah's there. Yeah, and we see him come up later in the yes. book. So yes. he shows up somewhere around chapter eleven or he so. He does. Okay, really interesting. So talking to average Joe, right? We're not the, there's injustice and horrible things happening oh, yeah. in this story. And a lot of us, I hope, most of us I hope, aren't in proximity to legitimate 
failures of justice. Right. But let's say that you're talking to somebody who's working at a local restaurant mm -hmm. or law firm or you name it. They're, they're just doing their job, living their life. But they're in this mindset of defeat and brokenness and they feel threatened, they're incapable. Um, but they know they can make an impact. You know, God's put them in this place for such a time as this. How do they walk that out? Hmm. Well, that's what the whole next lesson's about. Okay. So let's jump into that.